it than found Night by night and tear by tear Somehow, someway we all get to someday Mile by mile and fear by fear In their ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the Homest Army proudly presents TrekWest 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for TrekWest 5 are Joey... And Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 165. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Um, okay, uh, welcome back everyone. And um, I hope you all enjoyed the treat that you got in last week's <laughs> podcast. Um, I don't even remember how many different voices we recorded for that, but uh, that was fun. It was uh, it was fun. I I wasn't sure what to expect when you when I posted that. Yeah, because I thought, oh no, what does he have on a loop that I said? Um, this could be dangerous for me. I actually brought it over by accident because it's it's linked up right against the audio track that I did use. And I just didn't realize I had them both selected when I brought them over. And then when I listened to them, I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? Leave it in. People will get a good chuckle out of it. <laughs> well, I hope they did. Um, anyway, so uh, news for the week. Anything interesting? We've seen the Star Trek movie now. We have seen the Star Trek movie. Um, which, uh, can I just say, now that we're away from the office, uh, what a interruption to my day that was. <laughs> I agree. I came back and it was, I had to do three hours worth of work in about an hour and a half. <laughs> and then other stuff came up during that hour and a half that I still had to deal with. So I, we, I was, we were there till what, six, I think, yeah, by the time so. we left. Um, anyway, good movie. It was a good movie. It was far better than the first one. I will agree. I, I mean, I did enjoy the first one. But this one I walked out going, wow, that was just really well done. I felt the story was much, much yes. stronger. Yeah. And there wasn't there weren't plot holes in it like there were the like I felt there were the last time. <laughs> where it's like, wait, what? Who's I, this I had a guy? couple quibbles, but you know, I'm oh, going to. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. There there are certainly things that this was not a perfect movie at all, but still enjoyable yes i um had a good time with it and there wasn't any part where well okay there were two cringeworthy moments but those had to do with and this is all i'm gonna say bone breaking oh (laughs) twice yeah okay and that i audibly went oh my gosh ah (laughs) oh i wish i'd been sitting closer to you i would have enjoyed that (laughs) well i certainly heard you at several points as you laughed out loud during the uh, the movie, so well, well, I think one of the better lines from the movie was, "All right, go put on a red shirt." <laughs> I'm like, I'm the first person to laugh in the whole theater. I'm like, come on, guys, that's funny. Yeah, they did a couple of red shirt jokes, um, and uh, everything was really solid. I enjoyed uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, he's a he's clearly a very good actor. I think he's great in that role. Yes. Um, 
Okay, we don't want to say anything more because this is new yep. out this yep. week, so we we won't do any spoilery things. Um, but yeah, go see it if you haven't. Um, it'll be well worth I, it. I, I think. think you'll enjoy it. From, from two Star Trek fans, I think it's going to be something you're going to yep. enjoy. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Anything else? Do we need uh, anything fun happen for you this week? Um, um, I'm regretting running for political office. Do we need to have another <laughs> Adventures in Republican? No, I don't. I don't want to spend the, turn this into a gripe. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned something that happened to me. I was like, wow, that happened pretty quick. The uh, the names that you had submitted for oh, okay. a specific committee or something. Yes, and someone said, yeah, someone yes. said. If any of those people make the steering committee, then the elected officials will cut ties with the Republican Party and start their own group. Yeah, I think you should call their bluff. <laughs> That's what I think you should do. And you should also publish what that person said. Yeah, probably. Just make them look like an idiot. Uh, okay, let's uh, roll into Facebook Find of the okay. Week. Yeah. Okay, this is clearly, Clear, yep. clearly <laughs> the best thing that was posted up was Brokeback Babylon maybe, 5. Maybe Facebook find of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I probably watched that thing like five times laughing every single time. It was fantastic the way that they put all of that together. And it had to have been a true fan yeah. for someone to go through and find all of those different scenes Throughout the entire five series. What I especially loved five, is uh, that seasons. some some of the selections that they used, that like if you know what's actually uh-huh. going on in that uh-huh. scene, it is so great that they <laughs> used that. And like I could just see him watching it, going, "Yep, can twist that one, <laughs> can make that weird." <laughs> oh, it was great, it was hilarious. Yeah. So congratulations, Bob. Great find. Um, you will receive an award someday. I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. Um, lists now yes. or Brainy's Book of Darkness? Let's do lists. Okay, the lists are top five. One hit wonders. One hit wonders. Music. We didn't do, yeah, music. We didn't do any time periods, just whatever. Yep. All of music, one hit wonders. Uh, we do have some submissions okay. from listeners. Okay, um, we were just about to jump into our lists when my friend John Madsen walked in the door. I live here. <laughs> and it was well-timed because there, if there's one guy that I'm going to go to about music, it's going to be John. Thank you. And John has also recently seen the new Star Trek movie. That I have. Did you guys already say what you thought of the movie? We In did. General. Yeah, we kept okay. it pretty yeah, we... vague. Yes. Oh, well, okay, yeah. I, I, I mean, most of what I have to say is really spoilerific. <laughs> so uh, hopefully uh, you guys have been talking for two hours since then so people have time to actually see the movie since you spoke of it. Well, they'll have up until Monday morning yeah. to, uh, to see it. Um, we both said it was really good. Mm-hmm. We really enjoyed it, and we thought it was better than the first one. It was better than the first one in the sense that... Uh, I can't wait for this. <laughs> in, in the sense that uh, the movie it was a shot-for-shot remake of in certain points was better than the first one. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I will definitely give it that. I think, I think the first one, you know, the introduction to the new Star Trek world was a little bit more exciting. And this movie was 
a bit more exciting. The the villain was certainly more compelling. The villains were yes. certainly more compelling. Yes. The, the, yeah. I think that was a huge weakness of the first one. Um, and and so there was that, although he was hammier than I thought he could be. But, you know, the fact that, you know, the villains were RoboCop and Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Holmes yeah. <laughs> and at one point, cover your ears if you haven't heard it, at one point, Sherlock Holmes crushes the head of RoboCop. Oh. <laughs> like... Uh, like, uh, like, um, uh, what's his name? Brewmeister Smith in the movie Strange Brew. The same kind of deal, you know, happening there. Uh, that was pretty, that was pretty awesome. There, uh, um, also, uh, <laughs> I'm going to mention all of this on my podcast, but, um, uh, what is it? Uh, where, uh, I don't want to say his name. His name is uh, what's his other name? Harrison. Richards Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. John where, Harrison. Where John Harrison uh, utilizes the uh, Rocky method used in the movie Rocky Three when his 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 method of defeating Clubber Lang is to let Clubber Lang punch him as hard as he could <laughs> until he and, gets tired. Until Clubber Lang gets tired <laughs> and falls over. That was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> And I don't think anybody can disagree that that was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was funny. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I, I I liked it in a lot more ways than the first one. But for the sake of spoilers, there were some really aggravating things that really, really pissed me off toward the end. Well, I'm excited now to, to listen to JR watch a Star Trek. Right. Um, are you guys going to be do- recording that soon? Like, you're going to be recording that this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm pretty sure Jr. is watching the movie right now, and so so we're going to watch it tomorrow. Post we're, we're going to midweek then, or uh, yeah, it's on our usual time frame. It's midweek, but I think I'm going to try to fast track this one just because. It's, okay, the movie's been out for like three days, so I mean we got to get it out. <laughs> uh, and so uh, definitely look for this because yeah. I think that it's yeah. going to be exciting. I. I look forward to hearing what Me you yeah. what you didn't like. Um, okay, yeah. Because as a whole, I thought it was a very good movie, and I thought they did a good job. Uh, okay, so let's do the the top five one hit wonders. We've got a couple of emails in, so let's do those first, and uh, then we will go ahead and hit uh, hit you guys up. All right, listener M. Good news, everyone! <laughs> How awesome is the new Star Trek movie? I look forward to hearing your thoughts. You're welcome. It's mm-hmm. a shame Cumberbatch didn't have a bigger role. What? He had two roles. I'm, huge. Yeah, I'm not sure wh- how much bigger he he needed to be there, but whatever. Uh, top five. He could have been Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a bigger role. <laughs> well, it would have been an interesting uh, new world they lived in. He could have been Smog. Like, Smog could have made an appearance. <laughs> Good Hobbit reference. Top five. From a quick glance at my iTunes recently played list. Number five. The Chords, Shaboom, 1954. Mm. Candyman, and Boots, 1990. <laughs> Jimmy Eat World, sure. The Middle, 2002. Middle. Number two. Divinals. I touch, touch myself. myself. <laughs> 1990. It's <laughs> oh, great that that made his list. <laughs> um, number one, autograph, 
Turn Up the Radio, 1985. I think I only recognized a couple of those songs. Uh, turn up the radio. Turn up the radio. Turn up. Yeah. The radio. There's. Uh, I know there's a. There's got a. I. I know there's another autograph song. That's why I wanted to come in on the one hit wonders. I don't have any of my own, but I just want to say <laughs> I don't think that's a one hit wonder. <laughs> I don't think the Jimmy Eat World one is a one hit wonder. The other ones are because I don't totally don't even know those songs. Well, you should. I, I think you know the most about music, so you should be the judge on this, so you can overrule some. <laughs> okay. Of these I overrule. Like. You only have three there, Mark. Only three. Okay. Um, Brainy Smurf. Hey, dudes. John. I agree that I was surprised when the Smiths guitarist joined Modest Mouse, but I totally dig his style. Modest Mouse created some amazing albums around the turn of the century. Check out The Moon and and Antarctica or The Lonesome Crowded West. Great albums. Does he? Does he say Brainy? <laughs> so is Modest Mouse better with Johnny Marr, or was he a negligible influence, or just a different influence? That's what I gotta know. Okay, uh, Brainy, there's your homework. <laughs> Top five one-hit wonders. Number five, Green Jelly, Little Pig, Little Pig. Okay, Three that doesn't count because actually... it's a terrible song. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Steeler Wheel. Stuck in the middle with you. Hmm. Counts? Steeler's wheel. Uh, there's no additional S there. Okay. <laughs> Number three, living color, cult of personality. Nope, doesn't count. Doesn't <laughs> count. Because uh, that song about concrete and steel, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. And also, uh, the Stain album had three really good songs, including... <laughs> uh, what was that St- one? Stuff that people would remember, like right now? <laughs> <laughs> like right here, right now? Right here, right now. Uh, is that on there? Oh, the, the right here, right now with uh, with Flat, Fat Boy Slim or the right here, right now, Jesus Jones? Is that uh, what you're talking about? I know. I, uh, <laughs> that's a good, good riff, though. Well done. <laughs> Number two, Young MC, Bust a Move. My band did this one at our first gig last month at Obvi. It brought down the house. By the way, thanks, you dudes, for the likes and the feedback for Water Brother. I really appreciate it. I'd give so. you more feedback if you'd actually post some music. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a burn. <laughs> Number one, Radiohead Creep. Wow. 20 years ago, this song came out, and still to this day, it's the only tune most people know Radiohead for, even though they have completely changed rock music on a widespread yet fundamental level. As they grew as artists, they became more atheistically irreverent and less, less, less marketable. For instance, in 2007, by allowing the public to name their own price to purchase their album yeah, that was great. in Rainbows, Rainbows from their website, they did something no one had done before. And they always do. Take that corporate establishment. So, uh, of their seven subsequent albums since Creep, all are bloody brilliant. Two of them, Kid A and In Rainbows, would be on my top five all-time albums list if we do one. Uh, I enjoyed... The the Rainbows album, uh, Kid A. Everyone else loves that one a lot more than I do. I 
don't know. Kid A is pretty good. Uh, in re- the, those are those are both pretty good. I, I'm I'm wondering. Uh, so is 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 creep still considered like what most people know them for? I would say so, probably. Really? Maybe it, it's kind of funny because like when they got, I mean, they were popular for creep, but when they got when they became Radiohead, um, I guess that's when uh all all the all their fans started listening to music that no one ever heard because I, I remember uh, like way back in 2001 when I was in Provo and the local high school station, KOHS down there, um, they were uh, um, they were like saying, you know, it was just students and, you know, there's fly-by-night, whatever. And, uh, you know, they played like a bunch of weird stuff and um, we called to make a request because we do that because they'd always answer the phone, like on the first ring because no one would call them in. <laughs> and and um, they're like, okay, just so you know, we're playing three hours of Radiohead right now. We've been going for two hours. And my friends and I, we were only really – this is before we got into Radiohead. We only knew Creep. And we're like, well, I guess Creep has already been played, huh? <laughs> and they went over. Nope, nope, Creep hasn't been played yet. Like, and so, like, Radiohead fans, you know, they could leave or take Creep, whatever. And it, from my understanding, Radiohead never plays Creep live. They never, ever do. Uh, it's just kind of, it, it was almost as if it was, like, a, a different band. But um, I, by my definition, though, Brainy, not a one-hit wonder. Maybe the song that everybody knows uh-huh. by them, but not a one-hit wonder. I've been meaning to talk to you guys about this because... um. Uh, last time you spoke of music, and it's always hilarious to listen to you guys talk about music. Uh, but yes, be because I'm sure I sound like an idiot because I know Aerosmith and Metallica, right, and Mormon right. Tabernacle Choir. I know you two pretty well. I know, you, you, I know Frank Sinatra probably better than anyone in this room. You you know your Metallica. I think this is a good list for you because this is a list that like we don't talk about very much. But I I wouldn't call it a one hit wonder list, but like uh, a detrimental hit to a band. Uh, when we were talking about Led Zeppelin, um, somehow, Pete, you were saying, yeah, Led Zeppelin, they're pretty good. Joey, you were like, "Ah, I'm not really into them. I kind of heard their Stairway to Heaven song, and I didn't really like it very much. I think Stairway to Heaven, it's their best-known song, but it's a detriment to the band, because a lot of people only know Stairway to Heaven. And that's too like, bad. That's what they're known for, Stairway to Heaven. And I, and I, w- I think, I'm betting that Led Zeppelin's like, man... That song, <laughs> worst uh, decision we ever made. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and, and so there, there are lots like that. Like Led Zeppelin wouldn't be considered a one-hit wonder, but their biggest hit is like their fans and them probably think is like the most obnoxious. Like, mm. um, I, I used to, um, uh, like growing up, I used to, well, Depeche Mode. I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan, but they had this one. Like in the '80s, they had this one ballad, somebody that they would play yeah. it, like all the dances at school and everything. And it's a pretty good song. It's heartfelt and everything. But if you're a big Depeche Mode fan, you you only take it as sarcastic because all of their other songs are not heartfelt. They're kind of <laughs> cruel and uh, and unfeeling in a way that that somebody isn't. And so you know, all these people are like, oh yeah, I love that band. They have that song, that nice tender ballad. And like, no, no, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> That's not the real band. Yeah. Okay. Uh, should I go first this time? Yeah, go ahead. My list. 
I had to refer to several lists online. I went to several just to get a, a wide variety, and I picked the ones that I remembered the most that I said, oh, okay, I enjoy this. So this is just what I would consider a one-hit wonder from those lists that were provided to me that I liked the most. Number five, and I, I know this isn't going to count, <laughs> Eddie Murphy party all the time <laughs> probably the best example of a one-hit wonder because i think that was the only thing he ever did right no he did other he, he, he did, did a other... song he did a song called uh what's up with you <laughs> spelled like spelled one word and i think uh oh he it was like a duet with somebody i want to say like michael jackson was in the video too or somebody or maybe Michael Jordan. <laughs> but yeah, that was like in the 90s. Party All the Time was in the 80s. But this still counts though, right? I'll, 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 I'll allow it. It's funny you mentioned Party All the Time because I have an unpublished... Um, it's, a, it's a terrible song. I really don't enjoy it, but when it comes on, I can't help but laugh because it, Eddie Murphy did this. <laughs> the, the, ultimate, the ultimate is the video for the song. Um, because uh, it, it's just it's just a just really cheap video, and it's just like the story of him going into the studio, and and it's like he just barely walks into the studio and puts on his headphones and starts singing immediately, <laughs> you know, as if like in the stories, like oh, he just got out of the taxi, and they were already started the music playing for him to sing, and like oh, he got there just in time, and he walked in all smooth and everything, and he sings it, and Rick James is in the video because Rick James like produced and oh, i think like and so cool yeah rick james's voice is actually in the song but like i have an unpublished blog post specifically about eddie murphy's party all the time and deconstructing <laughs> the video of it like second by second <laughs> I, I wrote it like six months ago but i never published it because i wanted to publish it alongside something else but i never bothered to you write can the publish other it one. alongside this podcast maybe i should yeah. <laughs> We'll Too link funny. to it. Okay, yeah, do that. I, I'm I'm glad that it made my list then, just for that. <laughs> Number four, Dishwalla, Counting Blue Cars. Okay. I enjoy the song. I have no idea what what else they have done. If if you uh, they they released a cover of a Depeche Mode song on the Depeche Mode cover um, thing album cover yeah. album. I think I think Dishwalla did. In fact. Uh, never mind. I see it over there. It's over by Joey, but I won't. I won't reach across everybody and get it. Okay, number three. I'm sure you're probably going to discount. Uh, Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares because she's done mm-hmm. other stuff. Yeah, but this is the song that she's known the most for. Probably not just because of the little video that went along with it. That's you know sad and weepy, but because of what she did on Saturday yes. Night Live yeah. with the song. Nope. Uh, the, the so song, it you're saying nope, it doesn't count. No, um, you're thinking of the song, the Bob Marley song "War." Is that the one that's, she did? That's that the too? one she sang, and she ripped up the picture uh, of the Pope. Okay, she did sing "Nothing Compares to You" on, on SNL, that, yes. right? Uh, I don't know if it was on that same episode. It, it, I, I can't. I'm pretty sure it. It, it is because that's like one of the few SNLs I've watched, and I remember her singing really? that song on SNL. Okay, number two. Wait, hang on. Sorry. You Does got me. It, uh, you got, no, no, no. You're it, fine. It's Go about ahead. Sinead O'Connor. Um, you realize she didn't write the song, right? Mm-mm. Do you know who wrote "Nothing Compares to You"? No. The spelling could give it away. Um, Prince. It's a Prince song. Oh. Prince wrote the song, and um, I don't know if he recorded the song before or after she did, but I know he wrote it. 
if you ever get a chance to hear the Prince song, I, and JR and I talk about this all the time, the Prince song, Nothing Compares to You, it's unlistenable. Like, it's impossible <laughs> to listen to all the way through. Uh, Sinead O'Connor does a phenomenal job. I really love that song. Yeah, I, it's a moving song, and I like it. Number two, Survivor, Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> okay. Now, I have no idea who Survivor is. I know the song Eye of the they Tiger. They have one other. I, I think you have to disqualify that one because they had another one that hit the top 40. I'm trying to remember what it's called right now, though. Is yes. it the Heat of the Moment? Isn't that Survivor? That's or is not that the song Asia? I'm thinking of. Well, since neither of you can remember, <laughs> I'm singing it's it in my head. I have to hit the chorus before I can tell you what the song's called. You have to sing it vocally or it doesn't count. <laughs> All right, we're done. Move on. <laughs> so, uh, humming along vocally. Maybe maybe we can grab I, it. From have you me. never heard me try to hit a key? <laughs> yeah, no, you, you sent in a song to our... To the Iron Rodcast, yes. and it was phenomenal. Of all people who should know better than to ask me to sing. <laughs> uh, okay, my number one is Weedus Teenage Dirtbag. Uh-huh. And I, again, I know the song, I love it. I Every time I hear it, I automatically start singing along with it because I think it's so cool. I have no idea who the band is or if they've done anything else. So that's why I put them on my list. Very good. That's that's a good one. That's I would definitely call that a one-hit wonder. I don't know any other Wheatus. Sweet. Okay, so mine is actually selected from Billboard's list of one-hit wonders. So, John, if you say no to any of them, you're wrong. <laughs> so these are these are songs and bands that got into the top forty. Publications one time and never have made been, it back have in. been wrong. Uh, number. Oh, I got to start. Honorable mention is U.S. for Africa. We are the world. <laughs> but I think they only did the one song, so I don't. <laughs> if they did, if they recorded any of the other songs, it's in I don't on a know. Technicality. Yeah, <laughs> I disagree with that honorable mention because Band Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? Is a far superior song. <laughs> uh, okay, so my number five is Devo. Whip it. Oh come on, I, Devo. I think you, so you know, I should I should clarify. So on on my list, I selected bands that I think it's a tragedy that they're a one hit wonder. All these are bands that I actually enjoy their body of work, but most people probably have not heard their songs, and they certainly did not make it into the top forty with any of these uh, any of the, the songs other than the ones I'm going to list. I hate that song. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I said, I I think that it's sad that that's the song that everyone knows Devo by because I think Devo is actually a, a really good band. But okay. that's the song everybody thinks of when they think of Devo, and and it's kind of unfortunate. Do you remember the Do you remember the TV show Square Pegs? Uh. Uh-uh. It is a eighties early eighties TV show. There are only like ten episodes made, and it was like high school. Sarah Jessica Parker was in it when she was like fifteen. She plays a high schooler, and uh, um, and and Merritt Buttrick is in it. The guy who plays David in Star Trek Two and Star Trek Three, um, and his sixth favorite band i think he says is devo <laughs> and devo actually appears on the show and they and they perform they don't perform whip it they perform um that song uh uh what's good or it's good it's good it's good yeah yeah they they perform that song okay. on the show it's pretty good uh my number 4 is concrete blonde the song joey <laughs> i i think actually their their album walking in london is a way better album like they're known for Joey, but it's not their best work by any means. So you're not their best work. No, but it is awesome that I get to listen to a song and they're saying my name over and over <laughs> again and talk about how awesome I am. 
number three, and I realize that I'm probably going to get mocked for this one, but hey, this is my list. Casey Chambers, the captain. Uh, what? To, it's, never heard of it. You've Sing never heard it. of Casey Chambers? Sing it. No. If you've heard, you've heard the uh, four chord song, right? By the Axis of Awesome? No. Oh, okay. Not the least I don't recognize it by that title. Okay. Maybe if you sing a little bit of it. It's not going to happen. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, uh, her album Wayward Angel, I think it was way better. Uh, but the Captain, oh, no, I should say, I think Barricades and Brick Walls actually was the better selling album. But the Captain is kind of the one that she's known for here in the US. She's an Australian uh, vocalist. Uh, number two is Verve Pipe, the freshman, or fresh, the Verve Pipe freshman. I always do that backwards. <laughs> um, I, I think their second album, the Verve Pipe, was actually a way better album than the album that Freshman was on. And they they have said themselves that, yeah, we kind of hate the song Freshman because it, we got known for this one thing and it actually wasn't really what we wanted to portray as a band. And that that's all anyone ever wants to hear from us. Then. Well, the, from my understanding of that, of that song is um, the, uh, the string part is actually, um, they, they lifted that. Um, okay. And it's just like this, and it's like not super impart, important part of the song, but, right. um, Oh, not, no, not the freshman. Sorry. Sorry. No, I yeah, was thinking that of, from? It, it's, it's, it's from the verve, the verve, <laughs> bittersweet symphony, <laughs> yes. which everyone always gets mixed up. So sorry. I wasn't even thinking, I wasn't even thinking, but, um, yeah, the the verve. I I started my story. I'll finish it. Uh, they they lifted that part from a Rolling Stones song, and oh, really? and and uh, th- they shouldn't have done it because the Rolling Stones they were they just weren't nice about it at all, and they kind of sued them to the point where like all of the money that they would have gotten from the airplay goes directly to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> wow, <laughs> the original Metallica. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And again, number one, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of people laughing about this one, but uh, Right Said Fred, the song I'm Too Sexy is actually the worst Right Said Fred song ever. <laughs> their, their album Up has some amazing music on it. I think it's a really, really good album. I still listen to the song, the album Up to this day. I just I skip over that track because I think it's their worst song. I'm Too Sexy. Yeah. I heard that in, uh, we took a Spanish final in high school. And because we all got done early and, you know, we had 45 minutes to kill, the teacher put on some Spanish music. And that there is a <laughs> translation of that into Spanish. Nice. I would like to hear that sometime. That might be so, actually kind of funny. Con sexo, con, uh, <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> Terrible. I've only, I've only heard one other Right Said Fred song. And Deepy Dippy? No, no. It's Don't Talk. Don't talk, just kiss. Okay, don't talk, just kiss. That's and a good song. I, I think I like "I'm Too Sexy" more than mm. "Don't Talk Just." I, I maybe I don't know. I don't, it's it's it, it's kind of different. I don't know. Well, it sounds like wait, Joey. It sounds like your this is your list of your least favorite. It's one my, hit my list of my favorite <laughs> bands that had a one hit one that uh-huh. have the label one hit wonder applied to uh-huh. them. See, so that's kind of that's kind of what I was saying before about like oh the unfortunate yes, hit the, yeah. with the yeah. Fair enough. Now, you said you didn't actually prepare a list, but do you have a couple that off the top of your head that you would say, okay, these are, you know... Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, they've got some really other good stuff. You should, you should actually give them a listen sometime. I, I mostly wanted, um, just off the top of my head, I, I want to say 
this is this is not on the list. It's just like a list of songs that like these aren't one hit wonders. I already said Stairway to Heaven. A lot of people only know Stairway to Heaven. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. I've said this before. <laughs> Worst track on the CD it's on is, is Bohemian <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, uh, the other big one, uh, Aha, Take on Me. Okay. A lot of people say that's a one hit wonder. They had several hits actually, several hits. Uh, James Bond theme song. Uh, that song Cry Wolf The Sun Always Shines on TV the follow up to Take On Me where it continued the the cartoon video kind of vibe I didn't know there was a follow up video yeah there's a follow and it's it's really it's it's actually very very strange the follow up video um, has like a 30 second kind of cartoon continuation from the story that has nothing to do with the song and then the song starts up and a completely different video starts (laughs) So it's a really weird way to do it, but I don't know. They're they're Norwegian. They they so. just really felt the need to finish that story. Yeah, yeah. Um, spoiler alert: it doesn't end the way you may want it to end. Just so you know. Uh, and um, Big Brother win. Yeah, Big Brother wins. Yes. <laughs> you, did you did you talk about 1984 earlier tonight or something? No. Okay. <laughs> this is that video. <laughs> um. Let's see here. And as far as a one-hit wonder, the the one I thought of, I always think of this when I hear one-hit wonder, but there's a song called, um, uh, well, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, and it's by a band called Whirling Dervishes. And it's mm. it's a uh, it's a cover, it's just a direct cover from yep. the Dr. Seuss special. And my friends and I in high school, we always thought it was just hilarious because it was like the worst of three worlds. It's a one hit wonder. No one else knows anything else that these guys have done. Um, and it was, uh, a seasonal one hit wonder mm-hmm. and it's a cover. So it, it's like <laughs> the, the worst tri- possible song the trifecta ever. of terrible. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just the, the dregs of, of music in a way, you know, pretty good music, pretty good song and everything but it's okay and uh, of course uh let's see 88 lines about 44 women is yeah it's it's my it's my one hit it's it's i i made a music video for that it's on my youtube page if anybody checks it out but um uh and oh what was the other one okay the smiths how soon is now not a one hit wonder quick story about the smiths how soon is now there's on our on our local radio station uh one of one of the DJs will will play like I can't remember what he calls it like file thirteen or like from the from the deep archives or something like that like that's his special he plays like a different song every day and it's like this modern station he's like I'm gonna pull a song out from the Smiths and uh, you know the Smiths is a great band a lot of you don't know like who the Smiths are and and, and I'm gonna play uh, I'm gonna play how soon is now by the Smiths which is this song that i've heard over and over and over and over again and i'm really sick of it and somehow it's their most popular song whatever but they had several other hits and you know and so i got really mad and sarcastic and so i wrote on this guy's blog and i'm like okay so what am i to understand from you playing of all the smith songs how soon is now on your forbidden undercover like rarities hour part of the show uh, you know, so am I supposed to understand that they're a one-hit wonder? And someone underneath in the comments didn't understand my sarcasm and just blasted me for saying, "Oh, you just want to hear like like he thought I was saying." So they are a one-hit wonder then. 
but I wasn't saying that. I was being sarcastic, which is impossible to say when you're leaving online comments, as I've learned. You need some sort of sarcasm tag. Yeah, yeah. To there around there that. should have been a sarcasm tag because this guy blasted me because he thought I was being really, really ignorant about the song when actually I was calling out the opposite. And uh, and yeah, and then I had to tell him to mellow out, and he was like, he was really freaky about it. I should find it somewhere. I thought he was way off the handle and just being a bratty kid to me. You know, it's funny is anybody who go, went to my high school the years I was there has heard probably every Smith's song. If they went to the dances, they've heard all the Smith songs because we would play the Smiths at all these dances and people would be like, man, that's really good. What is that band called? And I would tell them the Smiths and no one ever believed me. <laughs> they thought I was trying to be funny. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, seriously, it's a great band, The Smiths. Check them out, and we would play. Like, and then and then they asked you, "What's your favorite ballad?" And you're like, well, "Joey" by Concrete Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we would play Panic. We, you know, we would play "Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want." Mm-hmm. We play William. It was really nothing. I mean, and we play some really good stuff, and people would be like, "Oh yeah, that's really good. Who is this?" It's The Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> Should have told them it was you too. Okay. Good stuff, everybody. Thank you for contributing. That's a, a fun list we did there today. Uh, listener Brainy Smurf and his Brainy's Nook of Darkness. Okay. He says, for Brainy's Nook of Darkness this week, we have a prelude to next week as well as a challenge for Joey, if he can handle it. <laughs> just, I don't know if I can handle anything after the week that I just had. Just watch one episode of the Doctor... Who, um, wow, he threw in an extra watch there, of the Doctor Who series, uh, Season 7, Episode 12, Nightmare in Silver, by Neil Gaiman, and we will discuss next week, okay? Season 7, Episode 12? Yes, it's the most recent one uh, that's been posted, uh, that uh, played. Okay. Okay, now everybody into the corner. And that's it. He doesn't have anything else. I don't know if he forgot to <laughs> paste something in. I don't know if he was just saying, oh, I'm not going to, this is what I want to talk about for next week. And so anyway, Brainy, thank you. We will be prepared. Uh, I've watched the episode. I thought it was pretty good. So look forward to hearing what you have to say on it. Okay. Joey's Culture Corner. Going a little outside the box this week with Joey's Culture Corner. I'm going to talk about the book The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber is a business consultant, and he, he goes into companies and he, startup companies, and he helps them turn around and, and be successful. And The E-Myth Revisited is actually a, a pseudo-sequel to his first business book, The E-Myth. And the E stands for entrepreneurial. And the, the point of this book is to tell people well, let me start with some facts. So 95%, I don't know if these numbers are still the case, but 10 years ago, this was the case. 95% of all startup companies fail within the first five years. Of that 5% that remains, another 95% of that fails within the next five years. So if you make it to your 11th year as a company, you're in rarefied air. And part of the reason that Michael Gerber argues that this is the case is that what happens is that Everyone thinks, you know what? I am so good at my job. Why am I doing this for someone else? Why am I letting someone else get all the money 
and I'm doing all the hard work. I should just start my own company to do this thing, and then I get all the money, right? Well, the point that he makes throughout this book, and, and it, it is a, a, a good book if you're thinking about starting a company or if you have started a company, it, it's a very, very good book to read to kind of set your 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 sights on a on a reasonable goal and and to look at how to do your company. But the thing that he that he elaborates over and over again with stories and facts and things like that is that there's a very big difference between being good at a job and being good at running a company that does that job. And what a lot of people don't realize when they go out to start companies is that they have to stop doing the job now and work on the company. That is their job. They've they've gone, they're an entrepreneur now. So unless what you really like doing is starting companies, you probably should not try to start your own business. Uh, as a rule, you'll find that you begin to resent the thing that you loved so much that you thought, hey, I'm going to go start my own company doing it because you, you get to a point where either you do the thing you love and the company fails or you work at the company and have to turn your back on the thing that you love. And, and it just becomes this very weird kind of emotional bound up state. And I've seen this happen in a, a few companies that I've worked for and other companies that I've consulted with. Uh, I, I think that Michael makes an excellent point. If you've got, if you think you've got the entrepreneurial bug, I would highly recommend you go read this book before making any life decisions. I give it a thumb up. Okay. So, uh, like, does it say like, if you, if you don't have the entrepreneur, I can never say it entrepreneurial. out loud. Entrepreneurial bug, but you have a great idea for the world. What does it suggest? That you outsource the running of the company potentially? That you find someone who wants to run a company. Some sort of uh... partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got you got the uh, you got the guy the the running the the runner. You you pretty much find your own boss. Right. I guess I can see that. But he he actually he gives some very good advice for. You know, if you're it, the thing I liked about the E-Myth Revisited is he gives good advice for if you've made this mistake and you now have a company, <laughs> here's how to get out of it. Without... So you've ruined your life. <laughs> here, here, here's here's some techniques for how to get out of that mess without just kind of dropping everything on the floor and walking away and, and going back and trying to find a job. Here's here's a way to to cleanly and honestly extricate yourself from the mess that you've got yourself into. It's not a 100% success rate, but the advice that he gives I think is very sound for a person who may have got themselves into that position. He has good strategies for dealing with and and mitigating the problem until you can extract yourself from the situation. Okay, well, um, so for everybody out there who's... Considering it, maybe go and take a, a read of this book. Um, John, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be sticking around for the episode, so I just want to say thank you for yeah. dropping in and sharing your opinion. Um, even those opinions that we cut from the <laughs> podcast that only Joey and I heard. Uh, seriously, everybody who's listening, go and uh, take a listen to JR Watches Star Trek for the first time. Hooray! And uh, get a listen for what well, these guys have to say. Don't listen to this coming podcast if you haven't seen the Star Trek movie <laughs> yet. Right. And, uh, and as I've said, I do live here, so <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, before we jump into uh, the, uh, the, the BSG episodes, there's a couple of things we got to go over. 
Okay. Uh, nearly forgot. Number one, uh, I forgot to mention, I got to take a tour of the Adobe facility oh, yeah. here in Utah. Uh, they've, uh, you know, their main headquarters, I think, is in San Jose. Uh, but they also have this new facility that they, like, just opened, like, four months ago. Maybe yep. four or five months ago. Um, and it is amazing. That is so, so cool. Like, all of the things that Adobe does for its employees... Uh, the things it provides to help make sure stuff happens right is phenomenal. Right on. Um, when I left my previous company and I came here to my current company, Axis 41, I remember thinking, wow, this is really pretty cool. Some hip stuff going on around here. You know, they, It seems like they really take care of their employees sure. super yeah. well. Going out to Adobe, I don't uh, – I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> because they truly take good care of their employees. And I hate where I work now. <laughs> okay. Um, it was just so, so amazingly cool. Um, to Aside from the architecture and, you know, some of the things they're going to be doing on the grounds and whatnot, you know, the, the building itself, the, the different rooms and the way they have all of the things structured to assist them – in being able to do their job is to let a, them be awesome. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Um, so anyway, I had to get that out of the way. Joe, you got a phone call. <laughs> I did <laughs> right before we started recording tonight <laughs> that I, I actually heard parts of both sides of it Okay, because the, the person coming through was Talking like really, loudly. really loud. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us who that was, and okay. what the call was about? So uh, it was one of our listeners. Uh, his name is Mike Cassetta. He's been one of my closest friends for about 15 years now. I mm-hmm. uh, got to know him when I was on my, serving on my mission in California. And he now lives in Utah County, and, and we, we're, we're good friends. He had just finished listening to Podcast 163 and called me up and says, Boy, you think you know a person after 15 years, and then you find out some weird fact about them, like they don't like cookies and milk. <laughs> and then I had to proceed to give all my reasons yet again. <laughs> I, I don't understand why this is like such a point of contention. Look, it's, it's, it's clear to anyone with a brain. Mixing the cookie with the milk is wrong. You've ruined it. You've completely... And then he's like, well, how do you eat breakfast cereal? I said, I eat breakfast cereal dry. That's how I eat (laughs) breakfast cereal. Because soggy things are just not appealing. Now, how can that be the case? Because I've seen you eat oatmeal, sir. And that is absolutely a soggy thing. No, not if it's done right. (laughs) What? You have crunchy oatmeal? Sure, yeah. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) You don't put as much water as they recommend in the oatmeal. (laughs) Oh my gosh, there is something seriously (laughs) wrong with you. Uh, so he he was trying to tell me he's got this he says he's got this down to a science so he's going to teach me the proper way he's like your problem is he's just been doing it wrong so uh, next time i go over to his house he's going to show me the proper way to both dip a cookie in milk and to eat 
breakfast cereal before it goes soggy. So I'm looking forward to this. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, Mike, I wish you all the luck in the world. Please let us know how that turns out because uh, I, I I don't know that Joey is going to be as, as forthright and open about this. Um, yeah, so awesome. Mike, thank you for the call in to uh, further shame Joey in his poor decisions, poor life decisions. <laughs> we need a life coach for Joey. Uh, okay, uh, moving on to episodes. Okay. We are going to cover episodes 17 through 18 of Battlestar Galactica Season 2. We'll start with episode 17, The Captain's Hand. When Commander Garner leaps the Pegasus right into a Cylon trap, Lee takes command and saves the ship. Okay, uh, good episode, at least... Looking back on what we had to deal with last week. <laughs> it was a good episode. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, I guess it is still generally good. My note that I made, that I giggled at before we started recording, was <laughs> Lee and Major Apollo get jiggy with it. Ah. <laughs> I think you missed uh, half of the equation there. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got Lee and Apollo getting together with themselves. <laughs> I meant to write D yes. and Apollo uh, are sharing bunks. I thought it was interesting. Lee and D. Is that D Lee? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, we could come up with a name for that. <laughs> so here's the, the thing that I wanted to, to talk about. Shared quarters. Okay. And I know I'm, you know, in the Navy they have to deal with this. I'm sure on, you know, not everybody gets their own quarters because yep. you have to maximize the amount of space that's available, um, or you have to use the space to its fullest. That's I've never had to live with somebody that close. Like the closest <laughs> was when I served my mission in Scotland, and I had a companion 24 hours a day. We were in the same bedroom yeah that was it otherwise you know there's plenty of space between sure. us yeah. like in a situation like Battlestar Galactica or somebody within the military that has to share quarters like that that has got to be so incredibly difficult because unlike say a marriage you don't choose the people you're going to be sharing with as we see i saw in this scene you know lee had barred the door so yeah. no one could get in so that they could spend some special time together <laughs> how i mean there would be no secrets yeah on a ship if something like that were happening yeah i agree i i wonder if on uh i wonder if there are any ships in in our fleet today where people actually rotate a particular bunk. They're just like, okay, you always have day shift, I always have night shift. We actually have to share a physical bunk and just hope oh, we're not ever using it wow. at the same time. That would be terrible. Can you imagine how bad that would be? <laughs> so, you know, it could be worse. Thanks for making the hell that much worse, Joey. Um, uh, yeah, let's hope that never has to happen for anyone. Uh, but in, in general, like the, the personal, the interpersonal stuff that would have to be going on, I mean, you'd really have to learn to, you know, bite your tongue on some things and pick your battles, so to speak, and how you dealt with that. I just don't know. I, I, 
I should say I'm glad I'm not in the military so that I'm ever going to have to be put in a position like that where I'm stuck with someone. Yeah. I don't think I would handle it well. I don't think I would either. You know, although talking about this, I remember now in the musical version of Sunset Boulevard, the Andrew Weber musical, two of the characters are working on the plot to a movie that they're going to write together where uh, it's about a man and a woman who unwittingly share the same apartment. He works nights, she works days, and they never bump into each other and they're, and they're living their the landlord is renting out the same space to both of them. And, uh, I'm wondering if that actually was ever made into a movie. It sounds like it could be a, a very funny, funny kind of, you know, 1950s, 1960s style slapstick romance. Yeah. I think that could go over really well. I remember what one part they're talking about. Yeah. She's using his toothbrush and he doesn't know it. Like, <laughs> She moves in and there's a toothbrush there, so she just starts using it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Um, okay, anyway, we come to find out there's a stowaway aboard Galactica. Some yeah. poor girl who's got herself in a family way and uh, not, you know, oh, what's how does this person get here? What's going on with this? By the way, I want to I want to say when the when the raider or not Raider. The Viper? Vi- no. Is it a Viper? Raptor? No. Raptor. Thank you. When the Raptor disappears, I thought this is the Bermuda Triangle episode because everybody's got to have one, right? <laughs> That's what I thought was going on. Um. Okay. So we're introduced to Commander Garner. Yeah. And he is... A piece of work. The person who's in charge <laughs> of... What they call the beast. This is where this comes from. The beast in the bucket. And he is not really a command guy. He's an engineer. He's the Peter Principle personified. Uh, Why why don't you explain that? So the Peter Principle is, I I believe the, the way it was originally phrased was, in any organization, employees will rise to their level of incompetence. So that's wow, where you're that's... doing you're doing your job, you're doing it well, so you get promoted. And you're doing the job and you're doing it well, so you get promoted. And you keep getting promoted until you hit the point at which you're not able to do the job anymore. Mm. And then you're stuck there. You can't get promoted past that point because <laughs> you're unable to do the job. And then the, the, well, that creates this calcification at the top of organizations where all the work is done by managing up where you have to work around your manager because he's so incompetent in his job, you're having to go around him to get anything done. I feel so bad for Jordy LaForge right now. <laughs> the man is highly competent, and uh, yet he's stuck in engineering. He yeah. wouldn't be able to handle being on the bridge. Well, the, the, I mean, the classic example that they give in the paper where they presented to the Peter Principle is an engineer who gets promoted to management. Just because he's good at a technical thing does not necessarily mean he's good with the interpersonal skills. And that's exactly what we see here in Commander Gardner. Exactly. And he, we get to hear the complaint of an engineer. He wants everything to run like a watch. Yeah. And I think that it's possible to do that, and that's a good aim to strive for. But he doesn't know how to work with people. He doesn't know how to about go about getting the result he wants. Yeah, it it is, you know, 
incredibly challenging for him, and it's clearly frustrating uh, because he doesn't know how to get people to do the things that he wants uh, without creating, you know, potential enemies, which we end up seeing in Starbuck. Right. Um, which uh, he's not wrong in hating her. <laughs> he did. That's not where he made his mistake. Well, uh, in in fairness, Starbuck is a big mess right now, more so than usual, because she shot Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's playing with some emotional baggage. But still, he doesn't it's his his big problem is he doesn't know how to work with people. Yeah. That that's what it boils down to. Okay. Um so let's see here. Oh, we get to meet the new presidential aide. Yeah. To Lara Roslin and Joey Lucas. I was going to say I also wrote just like Joey, but <laughs> as you. Oh, okay. I, I think this is you right here. Ruthless politician behind the scenes <laughs> trying to help work the agenda. You know, someone who's seen the world and knows what's going on. Not this doe-eyed young boy named Billy who's just altruistic to his core. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I would say I don't have her political savvy. She... She's playing the numbers game really, really well, which I not. Yeah, she mentions she was a, a precinct chief or captain or something yeah. like that in her her zone that of she, influence. They they had had the polls going down to what the mayor should eat for breakfast. <laughs> wow. Um. Okay, so we have a talk uh, between Zarek <laughs> and Gaius. Uh one of the true great laugh out loud moments of these two episodes when Zarek says, well, I just like a man of conviction. Or no, what did he call him? A man of true conviction. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing Baltar is not, <laughs> it's a man of conviction. Well, he's a man of conviction when it regards Guy as Baltar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> selectively. <laughs> um, so someone wants to abort a baby. Yeah. And it's, you know, insinuated that uh, or stated that, you know, maybe this person is a victim. You know, that this is... It's know, only ever in a, implied. A, a bad place here. Um, and I don't. we don't have any details. We don't know how this yeah. girl got pregnant. Uh, it seemed... She's from Geminon, the, the Geminon place. And she's from Utah, basically, <laughs> right? I mean, like the highly well, no, conservative it, religious zone. Maybe, yeah. I guess. Uh, well, let's not call it that. Okay. Let's, let's <laughs> at least call it the fundamentalist Utahns um, to differentiate. But she, it's suggested that she is the property of her parents. Yes, and that she doesn't have her own say in this according to Geminon law. Yeah. And that she should be given back to her parents and they will deal with things. Which sounds terrible because <laughs> it legitimately sounds like, you know, there is ownership of of their children, which I I don't think is right. No, I don't either. But the question that this episode asks I think is very very fair. And by the way, I want to note, this is a very West Wingy episode. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're right into the thick of a real political issue. Um, does a woman's right to control her own body 
rule over the right of the human race to survive as a whole. Yes. Yes, it does? No, I was agreeing with your (laughs) statement. With the the statement of the question. Yes. (laughs) I'm asking you, does a woman's right to choose... I don't know. Okay. But Lara Roslin makes the gutsiest executive decision ever... Which is to say... No more abortions. Abortion is illegal. Yep. Because there's... But I'm going to grandfather this one in. Yeah. (laughs) Because I got to know her, and so I feel sorry for her, right? Well, it is... I, I It comes down to me less about law, but it becomes a principle type of thing. And the higher principle is... We need to save the human race. And okay. in order to do that, we need babies. And that means that women are going to have to become a fetal factory of sorts. Which, I'm really sorry that I have just made this correlation, but uh, the, the Bobs... The silence have it right. No, the oh. Bobs are due soon, and uh, <laughs> it may be why we haven't heard from them. That uh, I, I don't know if they've had the baby yet or not. I, I hope you have. I hope everything's going well, Bob. Yeah, sure. SpongeBob. Um, yeah, the the it seems as though the higher principle, or at least the what President Rosalind is saying, is yes, we need humans. If you don't want it, give it up. Let somebody else raise it. But we're gonna let, we're gonna, we, we're gonna ask you to have the baby. Yeah. Uh, did you have an answer for your own question, Joey? Uh, I think that the right of the human race to survive as a whole does outweigh the woman's right to choose. I just hope I never am put in the position of actually having to live up to that conviction. To, to enforce that, uh, so <laughs> yes. to speak. Uh, I, I, You know, from our religious background, the right to choose is the more important in all of that. You know, your ability to make a decision for yourself is key integral to the the things that we believe um wow i like you hope i never have to make a decision <laughs> like that uh let's hope the toasters don't come up to um, overtake us uh doc coddle this is a great doc coddle episode over and over again he has great moments i especially like the the coaching of the girl huh? to apply for asylum. Well, she's she can always apply for asylum. And Thomas just gives him this look like, dude, who do you think you're fooling? <laughs> and he looks back at the girl and she's like, yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so we talked about the ban abortion thing. Uh, we have this nice little di- uh, uh, comparison, you know, uh, or not comparison, but we have to choose between scripture or law. You know what's gonna yeah. what's gonna dictate the the real truth of this. Um, I thought it was interesting that they show very quickly here that Rosalind is not pleased with the decision that she made. She made the politically expedient decision, and maybe the one that's right for the human race as a whole. But she's not happy about having made it. Yes. When the lady comes back and is trying to push her on more, she's like, look, I suppose you just, I, I suggest you just take your pound of flesh and go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Apollo is relieved of duty. Again, the, also the backdrop of what's going on is we have the oh, missing yeah. Raptor pilots. 
which I can't tell which is supposed to be the B story here. Maybe they're both <laughs> B stories. Um, but the, the Raptor pilots that are missing and Commander Garner is, you know, kind of not letting this go. Oh, we need to get these people back. And he doesn't want to listen to Starbuck because she's terrible. Yeah, her her actions at this point are severely impacting her ability to help us out as a, as a race. The fact that she's made poor decisions in, how she, in her interpersonal she, relationships. She wasn't helped along in this because the other the the other all the pilots were basically told, yeah, don't ever you know speak to Starbuck and give her information. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm just saying it's it, it, this is one example of a problem that Starbuck has consistently had, which is her personal pride is more important than the fate of the human race. I don't know if she realizes it as a character, but her pride is getting in the way of her being as helpful as she could possibly have been if she just put that aside. Yeah, she she wants to do it on her terms. Yeah. And we should just all be grateful for whatever she chooses to give us. It's a very selfish approach. Um, anyway, uh, he is so unhappy with... Apollo that he ends up relieving him of duty and he is going to take the uh, the Pegasus. Well, he, he relieves Apollo of duty because Apollo relieves him of duty. I mean, it's kind of like they're, they're racing it each other. It happens at the same they're time. They're racing yeah. each other to relieve the other one of duty in that moment. Uh, and the Marine, of course, you know, being stationed on the Pegasus, sides with his commanding officer, even though I, it should have been clear to anyone that that guy's not got it right now he's out of it he's he he's lost emotional it, control it's unfortunate of the situation. that control of the pegasus comes down to a marine <laughs> he's the one who decides yeah. who's in control of that's this true. ship yeah that's um, a good point anyway so they they head off they they jump away and they come and find out that the raptor pilots are dead and all of a sudden three base ships show up Yep, and they are getting hammered. They they manage to do some fighting back. Apollo eventually takes control because there's a problem in engineering, <laughs> and the commander's like, "This is what they need to do. Why can't they do that?" And he's like, "I'm gonna go down there and fix this. I'm gonna take care of this." Heads off to to go and do that. By the way, he walks down there <laughs> while the ship is getting pummeled yeah. you know leisurely strolling along and they don't even have the benefit of jeffrey's tubes to take them around throughout the ship quickly nope he just walks down there not run um and apollo manages to you know get things in a position where strategically they can start fighting back better whereas before it seemed like they were just getting pummeled yep. because garner didn't really know what to do in that situation um, he manages to save the day and in the process dies doing it. Yeah. So we kind of have to think, well, he was terrible at his job, but we're all going to think highly of him because he gave his life. He for was terrible ship. at his job as a commander. He was pretty good at his job as an engineer. Right. So the real fault is lays Adama. with Adama and he accepts that. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see here. I thought the the promotion from captain to major to 
commander in a month's time. That's that's got to be a little unsettling. That's these are unsettling times, yeah. Joey. <laughs> um, we have a quote: "Command is about people." That's uh, I believe Adama was saying that. I think it's Lee. I don't know. When, Some, when, ad, one when of it, the Adamas. When Adama asks, when when Admiral Adama asks Lee, what was his mistake? He's like, well, he was really good with machines, but command is about people. Um, I noticed that there was a question here. Uh, I think from from Paul, uh, from uh, Starbuck Starbuck. to to Lee. <laughs> you wrote this down. Are we okay? Okay. So if anyone wants to know <laughs> the exact tone and inflection that my <laughs> wife uses. Three or four times a day. Like, when it happened, I turned and I looked at my wife and she was looking at me with this look on her face like, yeah, I caught that too. Because <laughs> that's exactly how she says it. Are we okay? <laughs> so, I, I wanted to talk briefly about this because this is an issue for me. I think everybody should do their job well and they should work hard and they should constantly be trying to do the their best job that they can <laughs> am i supposed to take the opposite side no, of hold this on. okay you, you could just sit there quietly <laughs> and let me talk that's how i expect people to be and act in a work setting that is not the case joey you and i were meant for a time in the the 40s and 50s i think because we have to deal with people who have this overdeveloped sense of self importance sense of entitlement and they feel like ah, i'll just do what i feel like doing and uh oh, I'm, what i've done is okay you know i don't need to go the extra mile for any of this uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things happened today. I had to bite my tongue in order to get what I needed done instead of lashing out at an employee <laughs> and saying, put your butt in the damn chair and do the work I'm telling you to do, <laughs> which would have been a Commander Garner approach. Yeah. Uh, but nope, had to kind of let it go. I... In the end, I ended up playing a passive-aggressive role of <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I'm just gonna go back to doing this for here. Well, you had a look on your face. Well, I'm, I'm just gonna go back to doing this here. I didn't say anything. You, you can go ahead and go. And eventually, the work got done. <laughs> you know, the the goal was finally met. But it was frustrating for me, and I'm sure you know there was a little bit of frustration on their end as well as they finally came to and was like, "All right, I guess I'll do this." <sighs> why couldn't I have lived in the 40s or 50s? <laughs> why? I'll tell you why, Pete. Because if it were not for the individuals like you and I, that other attitude would have wiped out the American economy by now. <laughs> we are holding we we are the we are the soldiers on the ramparts wow. defending a work ethic from erosion. <laughs> well, all right. 
I feel so much more important now toward <laughs> about with my role in society. <laughs> Boy, society owes me a whole lot, don't they? They do. They really do. <laughs> but that's okay. We're just going to keep doing our jobs because that's the guys we are. Uh, okay, so in the end, uh, Gaius politically steps up. He stabs her right in the back. He advised her to do this thing, and then he's like, well, I can't support it. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's like saying, I, hey, I, I'm i going to stand behind her on this, but I personally disagree. You know, this is my personal independent decision here. Oh, and by the way, I'm running for president. Yeah. Whew. Way to go, Gaius. <laughs> Uh, we've got a couple of emails. Did you have anything nope, that you wanted to, to bring up? Let's go on to listeners. All right. So Brainy says, enter the new presidential attache. Not Billy. <laughs> hmm. She seems shady. Should we call her not Billy or Tori the Cylon replacement? <laughs> <laughs> and now we have Rosalind the baby burglar. But wait, Jeez. don't tell me you are going to force squeeze in a new Beast Commander episode and he will be a bad fit and we will see a contrived scenario play out in a situation where only Commander Snipe can use his finite abilities to save the day? Boo. How can we make it worse? Throw in Roslyn. So... Let's contradict ourselves as many times as we can. Okay? Ready? Go. Rosalind wins. The fleet continues to survive in spite of her in this dumb episode. So here we see Rosalind can't separate her pro-choice passion from the new unprecedented political context of a ragtag fleet. We need to start having babies, but while also aborting some and fake aborting others. (laughs) And we also feel like we have the right to steal someone else's baby if it suits our political agenda. Although, Erica Sarah is super hot. The whiny Geminis. They remind me of the Seattle Seahawks after Super Bowl uh, XL. Okay. <laughs> Why do these people matter so much? It's like they are Rosalind's only constituency. She would say to them, Is you, uh, is you is or is you ain't my constituency? <laughs> Excellent quote from... Porgy uh, um, and Bess. No. It's from uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. It's an adaptation of a line from Porgy and Bess. Uh, well, uh, Brainy, you can break the tie here in your next email. Is you is or is you ain't my baby. Yes, but he didn't say baby. He said constituency. <laughs> oh, brother, where art thou? Okay. But oh, brother, where art thou? Got it from I Cole do Porter. love Gaius scenes. <laughs> except I question his statistical probabilities. Uh, considering his inability to predict factors and unforeseeable variables concerning a floating fleet civilization. But when Rosalind delivers her proclamation, I do think that M.M. I don't know who that is. The actress always does Mary, a... Mary McCormick. No, not Mary McCormick. Mary McDonnell. Mary McDonnell, I think. 
uh, always does a great job acting. However, I think her character is so tangled in hypocrisy that her words mean nothing. How can she be choked up about this when she just stole a baby uh, and lied to the mother telling her it was dead? Did that happen in this episode? I think it happens in the next episode. Downloaded. I don't know. Let's talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> I can't. I didn't even make a note about that in I did, my stuff. I didn't either, but I have a defense. Okay. Um, blah, 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 blah. Stole a baby, telling her it was dead. And when she blurts out the line to the old man, I have fought for women's rights to control their bodies, blah, 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 blah. I gag. Why not fight for everyone's right to control their bodies if you are truly interested in egalitarian governing? At least Lee gets command of the beast in that nice little ending scene. And I do love Gaius's announcement scene. Sci-Fi 5, TV 2. Wow. For both of Gaius's scenes. <laughs> Music 6. Wow, he was not favorable towards that. No. Which is a shame because I kind of liked it. All right, uh, listener M. The I can't remember this episode from when I originally watched the season, and I have no idea why. I really appreciate the point that Baltar makes about humanity becoming extinct in a short amount of time. Our society is faced with a similar situation, although not as dire. The population of Earth is still increasing, but according to some estimates, will max out and start shrinking in as little as 50 years. Western Europe is already not replacing its native population and only growing through migration of Muslims from other regions. And as third world countries develop, their birth rates drop off faster and faster. President Rosalind's decree to ban abortion is needed for the survival of humanity. Perhaps Rosalind should also institute forced pregnancy. <laughs> like well, I said, if she's, if she's clearly serious the about this. have it right. The baby factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for Commander Garner. He is probably a really great engineer and knows all about the ship but he doesn't have much experience in command. The fleet almost loses the Pegasus, due mostly to Garner's lack of foresight. Luckily, Apollo is around to save the day. Television 7, Sci-Fi 7. Okay, good emails, good emails. Pete, how about your science fiction rating? Um, uh, Let's see here. Oh, uh, I put a 7. No, oh, I gave it a 6. Okay, for TV... I gave this a 7 as well. As I mentioned, I actually really enjoyed this. I liked the the questions that were raised. And while Brainy isn't really enjoying what Rosalind's doing, I feel that it's totally in character for someone who is having to make, you know, decisions that are difficult and that are uh species altering okay and that you know your your personal opinion may be still what it is but you have to make it a, a decision based off of something else now that has a higher you know moral road to it 
I think it is well within her character to hum and haw over it, to espouse one thing and then decree on another. Um, I I like the the character of Rosalind, and I don't see any inconsistencies. And the actress is also doing a great job. I also gave this episode a seven. I I thought it was a fun watch, and I like getting back a little bit more to compelling questions instead of just entertainment. Moving on to our next episode, Downloaded. Let's see if I can do this justice. What? I cursed at the television with my wife sitting next to me. She turned and said, are you okay? And I said, no, I am not okay. How did I let Pete set me up for this? That is the worst summary you have ever given. <laughs> Everything I thought about Babylon... Babylon 5 about Battlestar Galactica has just gone out the window. I hate, I am so mad. I'm, I just am furious about this. Well, that's good because I really don't have much to talk about with this episode yeah. either. I, I, I made five <laughs> notes and two of them are, what? No! <laughs> so we get a reminder about the time frame that we've had here, which is nine months yeah. Since these uh, the attack on Caprica and all of the other colonies. Nine months. And that is not a lot of time <laughs> for, for this stuff to have all been going down over the last season. Almost two seasons, because we're almost done with this one here. Um, we get introduced to a new character. <laughs> Which I'm assuming is one of the what? What is this? Oh my gosh! Head Gaius. <laughs> now, just so we're clear, I want to be very, very open about this. I knew that this was coming. Didn't know when he was actually going to show up, and I really did not anticipate the vehement response that you have Are given you about this. Me? So I need you to explain what about this character is so troubling for okay. you. Is it the fact that all of, you know all of the guesses that you've been making along the way are have all been... predicated on the concept that Head Six is a projection to a microchip in Gaius's brain? <laughs> so it is a chip. It can't be a chip. <laughs> <laughs> now you understand. <laughs> I'm just enjoying it so much. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to be the thing for you. And I really, I'll be honest, I potentially maybe even a couple more before the series is done that you're just going to want to revolt. <laughs> like, I... So I thought it was kind of cool. We're, we're seeing a Cylon wake up from being downloaded. Yeah. Oh, is that not that an was great. amazing thing? I thought that was thing. great. And then she turns and Gaius is sitting there and he says, only you can see and hear me. And I'm like, <laughs> damn it. Did, now, when you saw him before he said that, did you think, oh my gosh, Gaius is a, is a Cylon? No. I, my brain was scrambling to go, what is going on here? I could not fathom. And, and then he's like, only you can hear. And, and like she, and she's doing the Gaius talking to the air crazy thing. 
she's not as good as as the actor who plays Gaius, though. Oh my gosh. Um, here, let me let me throw something out at you. You seem to have dismissed the chip idea pretty quickly. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I held on to it in the face of all this flack I get from our listeners. And I'm like, nope, nope, it's a chip. And the show's over and over again. Oh, there's no chip. There's no chip. Nope, it's not a chip. It's not a chip. You're just, I'm just crazy. This is just my subconscious. No, I, I'm, I'm saying it's a chip. I'm saying it's a chip. And here we go. Head six is having the same experience. I don't buy that it's a chip in her head for one second. You have suggested that there are factions within the Cylons. Sure. She is a Cylon. Could she not have been implanted with something? That these factions are are now controlling. You, what are you doing this to me? <laughs> With any luck, folks, we'll get him sobbing before the night is out. I don't know. I am I am, I am so lost right now. Yeah. And actually, that's what this episode made me feel like. Like I was back watching season six of Lost. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Um. Okay, so let, let's go back here. You mentioned we I, get to see a resurrection. So I want to be clear. I made no notes about It's fine. Hera. I, got it. I got this covered. We're I, fine. We're all, fine. My only notes are about the Cylon half of this episode. So the resurrection seems incredibly traumatic. Yes. Yeah. Now, granted, the people that we w- witness are the ones who are the most um, unique they're the celebrities. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're we're gonna get to the the whole celebrity side of things, but they are unique in that they were implanted and embedded within human, human society. society for specific purposes, and they had to essentially become these people. And even to a degree, there was love involved, yeah. Yeah. which is the thing that seems to be throwing the monkey wrench into their assimilation back into Cylon society. Yeah. So I don't. I'd like to know if the resurrection process is always this traumatic or if it's because of the deep emotional bonds that they created that with follow them through. Yeah, with the 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 human counterparts that they were working with. In Boomer's case it was Chief Tyrrell and in Six's case it was Gaius. So what do you think? Are we going to see a head Tyrrell show up? Do you think that might be something that would happen? For Boomer? For Boomer. No. You don't think so? I think there's you something think it's unique just to special those two between those two. Yeah. Okay. And it may okay. just be the dynamic between them as actors. It's pretty dynamic, though. Yeah. It is pretty awesome uh so here's the thing like right moments before my head exploded (laughs) all over the living room i actually had started to make a note and i didn't even finish the sentence uh which is that when we're seeing head six wake up and she's she's reliving some memories some of the memories that she relives i'm pretty sure are head six things Things that Head Six and Gaius did together, not things that Actual Six and Gaius did together. So I don't know if that was just a bad job of editing on their part to take or, cut scenes from episodes. I don't know. I swear we saw 
Head Six and Gaius in the um, the testing place on on Galactica, where he's got all the blood samples and stuff. Um, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that they showed that scene, and I was like, "Huh, that's interesting," because. That would mean that she's not the one that's been feeding it. They, wait, they, wait, what's Gaius doing there? Wait, no, no. <laughs> they there was a scene where they are in Gaius's um, uh, house, uh, work. No, aboard Galactica, they are actually in his little workstation. But that was actually Gaius and Head Six, and that was her trying to get him to get engaged with the the, the politics the 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 daughter oh yeah, yeah, yeah. of okay, uh, yeah. of of Sharon and uh Agathon Carl G Agathon callsign Hilo. Hilo. <laughs> Why is that the only way I can remember that? So what <laughs> thank you John for helping drive that into my head and season 1. Um so maybe that's you're mixing something there. I don't know, but I I don't think they showed something okay. like that. Okay. I I just feel like they would have done a much better, a cleaner job of this. It's not you know season one, TNG or or. Well, that's why anything. I, like, at first I was confused and then I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question, and this is going to sound bad because. Whenever anyone says it, it sounds racist, but how do the Cylons tell each other apart? <laughs> Does that, that, look that the come same? to your mind at all? Because, I, I've wondered that before, yeah. It's because like, it's clear they seem to be there's a hierarchy. unique individuals, yeah. and they all seem to have their place within the society in some way, shape, or form, but... How do they know that that is the the six that was you know embedded and helped get the codes that the Cylons needed? So when I when I wondered this in episode or in season one, uh, it was in the episode where all of the PR bots and the boomer bot and the head six bot go in to to find the dead Leoban. Or no, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's he wasn't the, dead, but he, wasn't, he no, it was the guy that they left behind. They left one of the PR bots behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so they all go in there, and at the time, I thought I was like, "That's funny," because there's like three of those guys standing there now. How do you keep track which one's which? I was like, "Oh, there must be some like encrypted wireless signal being constantly oh, transmitted sure. between them." Sure. Yeah. 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 We have, you know, very very similar computers all around our office. We would know that there's a difference between them, you know, even by the IP, the internal IP yeah. for each one of the machines and whatnot. For sure. Yeah, that's a great way to be able to, to answer that. So good job. Um, okay, we have an emergency C-section. Boomer uh, Sharon is not uh, physically well. And there's some things going on. And so they say, look, we've got to take the baby now or we're going to lose both of them. Yeah. And this is going to be bad. And so they have to, you know, quickly do that. Cut away, uh, pun intended, <laughs> to Anders back on Caprica. Oh, yeah. yeah who, is plan- this episode. who is planning an attack. And, you know, he's still working with the resistance. 
he's seeing, you know, they're they're doing some surveying of the area and is like, oh yeah, I'm gonna take these people down, even though they are resurrecting. I'm going to still take them down and make them, you know, feel every single one of them. You know, he talks at one point about um, we're going to make it so painful and costly to be here that they just want to leave. Yes. And it actually made me wonder, why do the Cylons occupy Caprica? That's okay. Good question. I don't have an answer for it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. It seems like maybe there's something more to that than... Oh, hey, there's this convenient planet, and it's just all set up with cities already. Yeah, and what he says is at the heart of every insurgency ever. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's the way that they're going to say it. Like, look, well, we're going to fight dirty. You know, we'll we'll scratch, pull hair. Make you know, them bleed for every... Do the, you know, kick at the groin stuff. It's going to be painful for you to continue to do this. I don't know that it would work on the Cylons. By the way, I believe that's actually a counterinsurgency rather than an insurgency. It's a thing where people are being <laughs> dominated insurgency and they going don't on like it. On one side or the other. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a quote from Six. Following God's plan is never easy. This is from Six. This is not Head Six. This is, we'll call her Caprica Six. Okay. Um, and what a great statement here, uh, because it requires an incredible amount of faith, uh, an incredible amount of trust, if you will, to accept, okay, is this actually God's plan, and am I doing it correctly, and is the person who gave me the message actually someone who was doing God's will? Yeah, somebody I can trust. Which is the question that anyone who is a part of any sort of organized religion ought to be asking themselves. All the time. Yeah, on a semi-regular basis. You know, reaffirm that everything that's being said and taught to you is really the case. Um, Just wanted to throw that out there. So the boomer, Facehole, can't seem to assimilate something wrong she's just not fitting in well and so they are getting caprica six um to try and turn face hole and get her to come back to are they well that's what's proffered here (laughs) it is suggested towards the end that no they really just want to get rid of her both of them well, according if you believe what Head Gaius is saying, yes, that is their plan. Look, I have to believe Head Gaius. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I don't have any choice that, now. That, that's a bold <laughs> statement to make. You're willing to go with whatever Gaius says oh, now, in any form? Now, now, now I have to believe everything every character says on this show all the time. <laughs> I no longer have any theories of my own. <laughs> all right. Uh, Brainy, you've heard it now. Start pestering Joey for to find out more theories. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Commander Adama says, if it's good for them... Oh, sorry. Admiral Adama says, if it's good for them, it's bad for us. Now, this is talking about the baby that has just been born. And what are we going to do with this thing? And the people of... 
that are within the the decision tree are basically saying, okay, well, we get rid of it, um, we let her keep it, or we find somebody else to take it. Yeah, they end up opting towards number three. F- yeah, the, <laughs> yes, a derivation of number three, where they convince them that the their actual baby died. Yeah, and how they managed to find a fill-in baby for this. I think that there's a very plausible answer to that question given to us in the previous episode because my wife asked me the same question. Okay, what do you think? Coddle suggested in the previous episode that he's been aborting babies for some time now. They just show up. I get a a note that it's going to be in a certain container. I bring them here. I abort their baby and I send them home. Okay, Uh, I'm, I'm good with that. That works for me. I actually... I I felt like they set up the answer to this in the previous, like they they intentionally gave yeah. us that line to set I can, up the answer. I can totally I can totally believe that. Um, so Adama's statement: if it's good for them, it's bad for us. No. Basically saying, yeah, we need to keep this thing away from the Cylons and away from uh, Hilo and. Sharon, we can't, this is a bad thing to continue to allow them to have it. Um, (laughs) what? Well, I, I can't let go of my theories, but I should. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. I am still on the, you know what? Maybe Cylons are just asking the question. Does the human race deserve to survive? And I think it's a worthwhile question. Take issue with their manner in asking it, <laughs> certainly. But I think the question is worthwhile. I don't think it's fair to completely dismiss everything the Cylons ever do with the statement, well, if it's good for the Cylons, it's definitely bad for humans. Because are there factions in Cylon society? <laughs> I don't know. I don't From know Adama's anymore. perspective, though, that's a reasonable statement to make because... Nothing seems to be coming I, I disagree. from the Cylons Handhold. that is good. One thing. She has saved the ship five or six times by their admission, uh, by their count. And I don't know when those five times are. We, we only see like two, uh, maybe. A, a thing that, you know, you think that uh, she's only been doing it for her own aims and goals. Yes, but it's not necessarily the same. That's what I'm saying is... Sometimes the best thing for the Cylons actually might be a good thing for us. In the moment, in that particular decision, I think I think it's ignorant and I expect better of Admiral Adama than a statement like, if it's good for them, it must be bad for us. So the baby is born. The, they give it the name Hera. Yeah. So I guess that's why uh, Brainy was calling Handhole Athena. Uh, yeah, I don't know my, cause I thought Athena was actually Zeus's a... wife. No, it was a, she was a daughter of Zeus. Athena? Yeah. Hera and Zeus were together. If I my, if my memory serves from Hercules, the legendary journeys <laughs> is any indication 
that uh, Hera was the the wife of Zeus, and that Athena was a uh, matter of fact. Athena was born out of Zeus's head, if okay. I remember correctly. Okay, you're right. Hera is a wife. I had them backwards. At any rate, the baby's name is also Hera. And uh, let's see here. Oh, my next comment is boom goes the dynamite. Uh, literally, because the explosion happens within uh-huh. the episode. Okay. You know, taking down that building and, you know, causing rubble everywhere with those three ladies down there. Um, you know, we have Gaius trying to help not stir the pot, but lead Six along to realizing that she's in just as much danger as Facehole is and that she needs to do something about this. Um, let's see here. There's a quote. I don't know where who said it. Thought Vienna. of everything didn't. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Who, who said that? that? Thought of everything, didn't you? Um, haven't yet. Thought of everything. Haven't thought it was yet. one of the resistance people talking to Anders. I don't know. I don't remember either. Uh, I, it was important enough for me to write it down, but I don't so the the second what it. moment of the episode for me was when Deanna is pointing a gun at Anders' head, getting ready to execute him, and turns to face hole and says, "They don't respect life the way we do." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you I think bombed uh, the planet. <laughs> humans don't respect life like we do. Uh, yeah, that that's a quote there. And wow, how screwed up <laughs> are are they? That, I don't understand what that means. Uh, I think it goes back to you know something that you had brought up. You know, back when they were on um, Cobol, Cobol, and you know the they had the the Cylon basically saying, "Look." This is, or I guess it was Head 6. You know, look what the, these these people did here. They were terrible human beings. They did demonstrative evil things. Um, you know, why are you trying to be like them? When, you know, they're, they're becoming the very thing that they're yeah. hating so much as well. Okay, I got a question for you. Reset a bone... Or go through the download process. <laughs> well, so I think I choose the download process. Really? I th- now that granted, looked incredibly that, painful. It, it, it is. Yes, it was very traumatic. But again, I'm going back to I think it must be different for these people because of the yeah. You might the, be right because the, the, the way the way she nature. addresses it that she's like. Oh, why don't I, why don't I just kill you and you can download again? That's no big deal, right? But I think Head Six is. Resistance to that? You mean regular six? <laughs> that is going to be a serious problem. <laughs> Caprica six. I think Caprica six's resistance to that is that she's afraid she'll lose head Gaius. Oh, okay. She doesn't know if he'll follow her through the download again. Hmm, maybe. Yeah, that's a maybe. Uh, I, yeah, I'm a chicken when it comes to pain, so yeah, just put me <laughs> out of my misery. <laughs> Uh, Duly noted. 
Somebody asked for tangible proof of love. And I I don't know that that's necessarily fair. You can't always put something physical and tangible on something so, you know, ethereal as a feeling, as I was going to love. go for ephemeral. The, the femoral artery. No, ephemeral. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, I... I it was it's tough you know because that i think it was uh Zena bot who was throwing that around to them you know where's the the proof of the love here and uh yeah anyway i've been calling her xenalon <laughs> that's yeah that's a good one too i like xenalon so uh the shell game begins essentially uh with the the whole baby getting shifted off you know where is it going to go to what's going to happen to it you know so when they show the shuttle at the end and they do this long shot of watching that shuttle leave Galactica and go off somewhere else, I thought for sure that they were going to, I think it was going to zip off faster than light. And they'd be like, oh, the Cylons ended up with the baby anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like the way they were making that scene so dramatic. I was like, oh, it's uh, they just gave it to a Cylon, didn't they? <laughs> okay, the scene with the ashes in space. I didn't care for that because yeah. it made it look as though I, I just don't believe that ashes would behave in that manner in space. Yeah, I, I, I didn't care for it either. Okay. Um, celebrity in a society based uh, on unity, based on unity is troublesome for these, these Cylons because they have to deal with it. Um, we, we have, you know, Anders to finish out. Anders is eventually saved by these two Cylons because, um, Caprica six gets up and bashes the Xenalon over the head a few times with a rock to kill her. And, you know, Anders is then let go. This idea of unity and individuality. What? There must what? be more than one resurrection ship. Ooh. Ooh. Did Joey just happen on something? Yeah, because they're all none of them are worried about resurrecting again. There must be more than one source of resurrection. Indeed. Hmm. Indeed. I, I and, just put those pieces together. And also, you should be able to make another leap. On this, that there is essentially a distance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They talk about, she's like, how long is it going to take for her to get to where she can download? And Oh, it's going to be about 36 hours. Yeah, they, they said that in the episode. Yeah, well, I think that that's, that was more a matter of they have all of these other dead Cylons to oh, deal okay. with first rather than, you know, that's going to take that long to download to wherever that location is. I just meant... From where Caprica is to wherever Galactica is and the the resurrection ship that they destroyed out there, it was too far away from wherever right. the, the yeah. current resurrection okay. ship is. So good on you. Well done. Good one. Uh, one of the things we didn't talk about is it's the one of the few notes I did have was this idea of boxing. Okay. Why don't we do that but, now and we can do the, the unity uh, individuality okay. thing after. Well, I kind of thought they went together a little bit. Uh, it seems like anybody who doesn't fit into the society, their reaction is, oh, you know what, let's put them on an external hard drive and 
store them away in cold storage. Yep, it's a failed uh, piece of software, piece of hardware. We just need to get it out of circulation. But right? they, they, they say they, they they talked about putting it in cold storage. This makes me think, is there somebody who has the job of debugging all of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose so, maybe. Um, we live in a society that espouses individuality. You know, you are your own individual. Sure. We are part of a religion that espouses unity and I I don't like this word, but I'm going to say it anyway, conformity. Okay. And while it's not necessarily conforming to man's vision of what God is, but inevitably it really is going to come down to what God has Has said should be the thing that we should conform to, not necessarily man's interpretation of that thing. And I don't think that God is against our individuality but where does one area stop and the other area begin when it comes to individuality and conformity? Do, do you know what I'm yep, kind of getting at there? Because that's a, that's a really – that's kind of at the heart of a lot of what I have inside myself. You know, how much of myself do I get to – inflict upon the religion that I am a part of and believe in so much. You know, because if we all act like sheep, well then, you know, where's the creativity coming from? Right. You know, we're just all going off of, oh, well this is what we do. We're automatons. We don't think and act for ourselves. So I I feel like there's our, our religion actually I, I agree with what you said to to an extent that our religion does deal with conformity to God's will and to unifying actions and, and acting together and, and working together to improve things. But also it highlights individuality because we're here for we're here because of our ability to choose between good and evil. Okay. That's that's what you know that's part of our lesson that we're here to learn in this life to to come to a deeper understanding of what's right what's wrong and and how to distinguish between the two okay so some might suggest that we're saying be individual but in the same way <laughs> you know be, be a unique snowflake just like <laughs> everyone else <laughs> no I, I i think i think what it is is that we each have gifts and abilities that we are given and the the uniformity is develop who you are to the greatest possible potential of you and don't do any of the things that would diminish you as who you can possibly be that's the uniformity that's the conformity that we're looking for is okay all the actions that we take improve myself and everyone around me i don't ever take an action that would diminish anyone and that's where the uniformity and the the conformity come from. But it's all about developing into the the, the special flower that you are, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Joey just <laughs> suggest that I was a flower. Did he use a metaphor of me as a flower? How special. <laughs> does that make sense, though? Does, does yeah, that... it does. It does. 
I just know that it's it's an issue that yeah. you know we all have to deal with. Um, and I I felt it was brought up very well within this episode yeah, through the the uh, the Cylons and you know what they were having to deal with. You know, I'll be the same. And if you're different, yeah, that means you're a troublemaker. You know, how dare you try and dance in our in our town? Dancing's illegal. Uh, okay, is there anything else you want to bring no. up? Is there any other things that you're like, I hated this episode because of this? I didn't hate or, this episode. I'm I hate you <laughs> for putting me through this. Do, do you want to stipulate some of the other things, that areas you might have been confused about and just kind of... Just to throw them out there, I'm not saying anyone's going to answer them. Or I, I just I feel do, like this point, at this point, I I have no idea what's going on in this show anymore. No idea what to expect. Yeah, they big big curveball here. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Big curveball, and out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. Hold on to your seat, brother. <laughs> just yeah. I hate um. You. We're. We're hoping to have uh, our friend Curtis join us next week for the season wrap-up and the last two episodes. We're going to be watching them at our work. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe we're watching them together so that someone can experience... The joy of you, Joey falling to pieces? You may be exploding over some other things. I'm not <laughs> saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying... This is the same Curtis that when we went to see Firefly together, he'd already seen it. <laughs> yeah. And at the point where <laughs> Wash dies, I turn, I like, I'm casting about the room to say, "Is this really happening?" And I look, and Curtis isn't even looking at the screen. He's just watching me. He just wanted to see my reaction, and he's just got the biggest grin on his face. I'm like. You gotta be kidding me! They just killed me. He's like, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. All right, uh, let's see here. I want to go to. Yeah, this is Mark, the right one. Yep, listener Mark. I think am I in the right one. Yeah, I am in the right one. Let's see here. Make sure I got the right stuff. Okay, here we go. A quick list of the 12 models of Cylons. Pete should know which ones Joey knows about. Okay. Let's see here. Number one, we don't know. Okay. We, we don't have that. Number two, Leoben Con, uh, okay. Conoy. Leoben's number two. Number three, Deanna Beers. Okay. Number four, I think we know this one. I'm not sure if we know this one. I'm not going to say number four. I'm sorry. I don't know if we know this one. Number five, Aaron Doral. Okay. That's the uh, the PR guy. Right? Yeah. G- give me... Deanna Beers is number two? Three. Number three. Leoben's number two. N- Leoben. Let me just write these down here. <laughs> I'm losing track. <laughs> okay. One, I don't know, you said. Yes, I don't believe you know. Two I know is Leoben. Yep. Three is Deanna. Yep. Or Xenalon. Four is... I don't know if you know this person or okay. not, and I'm sorry. Five is... Aaron Doral. Aaron Doral. Six... Is 
six. six. <laughs> Gina. Uh, yeah, Gina, Shelly Godfrey, um, Caprica six, and you know. I don't, I don't think I know who seven is. We do not. Okay. Eight is Boomer. Uh, yes, correct. Uh, nine. Who, which one's Simon? That. I know. Okay, we do. That is number four. Okay. Simon O'Neill. Because I know that Simon is, is one. I just didn't know what his number was. Simon's a black guy. Yeah. The doctor. Yes. Uh, okay, so I don't know nine. Yeah, don't know nine, ten, eleven, eleven or twelve. Or 12. Man. Uh, okay, yeah, I had to edit just a little bit of you know, what he used. So I know here. half of them. Are we up to, is that six? Yeah. Leoben, Deanna, Simon, Aaron, Gina, Boomer. Right, right. Okay. I hope Joey's head didn't make too much of a mess when he <laughs> saw Head Baltar. The big question from this episode is, how does Caprica 6 uh, protect Baltar from the explosion where she is killed? How did she? How did Gaia she just serve? acted as a human shield? Yeah, I, that's what I think as well. There's lots of flying glass. I think is the key. Yeah, the impact probably wasn't so bad. I like the chance to see a bit of how the Cylons interact with one another. They have individual thoughts and ideas. They are all. They are not all alike, like Rosalind assumes. Caprica six and eight are up to something though as they anticipate they will be boxed if they don't fall into line, or if it is learned that they let Anders get away alive. I still don't get why Adama and Rosalind are supposed are opposed to the Cylons finding out they have a hybrid baby. Television 10, Sci-Fi 10. Well, have a great week, listener M. Mark, good email. Thanks, bud. I appreciate what you send in. Okay. Um, <laughs> Brainy. Love it. Go face hole. Sci-Fi 10, TV 7, music 8. Final 5. Number 1. How is Lee going to do as the commander of Pegasus? I think he'll be moderately successful. Okay. Number two, hand hole or versus face hole? Who wins? Hand hole. Hand hole wins. Oh, yeah. I don't want to mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, uh, elaborate on Ellen and your alleged third race. I don't know. Possibly the ones, you know, that you, I think you mentioned are shapeshifters. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this ready? will be good. Yep, ready. Head six and head Baltar are also this third possible race. Ooh. So they're the ones who put the chips in everybody's head? <laughs> From here around the galaxy, implanting <laughs> chips in everyone. They are all Cylons. That's a, you know what? This is all virtual reality. It's a computer simulation being played by some kid in a video game it on is, 20th century Earth. It is Ron Moore. <laughs> So somehow there's a tie-in to Star Trek The Next Generation 
and we're going to find out that this is some program that Barkley had set up that went astray. <laughs> yeah, because he's the he's the king of things going wrong. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We're going to see Barkley at some point in the series and be like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Number four, what event will occur that will be the unpredictable, pivotal political issue in the upcoming election? What do you think is going to be the political thing? I already know. What do you think? This is this is one of the few things I know about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, they find New Caprica. Okay. And there's there's a part of the faction that wants to stay, and there's a part that wants to continue to find Earth. Okay. Uh, people were talking about this when this was on the air, and it was one of the things that I do know about the show. The season three. If I remember correctly, season three was all about the f- battle over who stays on New Caprica and who goes. Okay. Number five. What if all the skin jobs are just one model of shape changer? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't refer to themselves as having 12 models. Uh, later dudes uh, you rock ambassador brainy smurf uh, brainy thank you for helping to destroy joey's i'm just like poor, a ball of yarn to you people brain uh it's been so fun to do that hasn't it everyone it's been great that's, that's like that's the thing when i when i let that curse word out in front of my wife which i don't normally do and she's like i don't understand why you're so upset and i'm like because they've all been laughing at me. They've all <laughs> been laughing at me. They're like, just wait. Oh, man, this is going to be great when Joey finds out just how wrong he was. <laughs> I won't deny that there have been times where you have suggested theories and I've said, oh, yeah, <laughs> you have no idea. You are so far in left field. You <laughs> You can't even fathom how wrong you are. I'm right playing now. in the wrong ballpark. I'm so far <laughs> in left field. Um, okay, for science fiction, what are you giving? This? I give it a ten. Oh, okay. I, I <laughs> what else can I give it? You know, I didn't think it was all that great. Um, I only give this an eight for science fiction. Um, it's still stellar. Just absolutely fantastic. Here, here's, here's, here was my argument. If I don't give this a 10, then what I have to do instead is I have to go back and give a one-point bump to every episode we've seen before. <laughs> <laughs> because they've got me so far down that wrong path. I was so sure that this was a, you know, that the universe was one way. I was like, I was positive. I would have gone on to an, uh, an online discussion board and argued that I was right with people who've already seen the entire series. That's how confident I was. That would have been that would make for a great like uh, um, uh, sitcom thing. Because <laughs> you get some guy like uh, you know Tobias Fumke who's you know going out there so sure about whatever he's doing. He goes on to some bulletin board to you know start talking about this, and everybody's like. You're an idiot. You do know that we all know how this ends, right? Like, you know, how, why are you still arguing this? Yeah, that's that's how sure I was. Uh, uh, and and <laughs> I was way wrong. For television, what do you give this? I gave it a seven. It was pretty enjoyable. 
I, I, I vaguely remember the, the baby stuff. Uh, I want to say Cottle did a, another awesome turn here. Yes, he did. Uh, good star turn by that guy constantly. Um, and the, the kind of like hand wringing and emotional hemming and hawing going on between Adama and the president and things like that. Uh, it, it was an enjoyable episode. Uh, I only give this a six. I like it, um, but I get bored sometimes with all of the Cylon talking huh. stuff. Um, I, I thought that was actually fantastic. Like it was the mo- it was actually the better part of the episode for me because we hadn't seen any of it yet. Yeah, and the the whole Anders thing. He's just a prop. Yeah, I agree with that. The, I, the, it's. I've never cared for the character. He's a throwaway character, and they should stop introducing him to the story. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801 808-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.